0: And welcome to this week's edition of An Organic Conversation, a show about food, ecology, stories from the land, recipes, nature, sustainability, interconnectedness, relationships and really life itself. It's fall or late summer or early, early winter for some, perhaps. But whatever you call this time of year, there's definitely a change occurring in nature. And that means this is a transition time for farming and, of course, for produce. What's in season? The final taste of summer is our focus in this hour as we are walking the produce dock and the fields with our partner, friend, and beloved expert, Earl Herrick of Earl's Organic Produce, one of the premier wholesale distributors of organic produce in the nation, also called the godfather of organic produce, today here with us in the studio. What's in season? The final taste of summer. What to look for, what to consider, how to buy and store it, and what to do with it at home, here today on An Organic Conversation. We're your host, Helga Helbert. Mark Mulcahy,
1: And Ronnie Palomar. Everything is changing. And more than just what's on our plates. Helga, you've you've undergone quite a dramatic change, which took a lot of commitment these last few have I maybe week <laughs> or so.
0: Yeah, I just got off a six day water fast. And maybe water and, and some mineral broth. I should be specific, fast, meaning that for the last six days, I finished off with some vegetables. And then for six days, I just had water, a gallon a day about. And on day three and four, and I think five, just a cup or so of mineral broth to substitute a little bit of, or supplement a little bit of minerals back into my system.
1: And it's mm. wonderful. <laughs> I find this really fascinating. I cannot do fast, personally. I get too hungry. And I know that that's kind of the point. But one thing that I like to recognize about fasting and cleansing is that it just like with any diet, there's not one that fits everybody. It's not one size fits all. Different people have different needs. Maybe you have hypoglycemia or whatever it is. Maybe a water fast is not right for your body type. Water fasts work really well for Helga. For me, because I can't do fast, I I can't even do a juice fast, I think probably because of my blood sugar. I have to do a cleanse that involves some amount of food. So it's interesting. This whole topic brings up an idea about the power of food as well as the power of the absence of food. And it brings up more than just your relationship to diet, but symbolically cleansing yourself of all of this stored stuff, whether it's toxins, whether it's just junk in your body, is, is not just physical, but it is also psychological, emotional. Spiritual. Spiritual, for
0: sure. Yeah, that's the usually the reaction I get when I, when I share that with people. Um, I haven't done one in over two years, I believe, but I used to do one water fast a year, several days. People say, oh, my God, I would be so hungry and my blood sugar would drop so drastically that I can't do it. I tried a day. First of all, for me, this is not about not eating. It's about becoming still, going inward. And then it's not about I'm hungry and I need food. The whole point is to, for me, in that time to to cleanse, and it's a spiritual journey, really, even though you get all the health benefits from fasting and from calming your system down or giving it a break. I mean, our digestive system, just as as our heart works, and you can't just fast with your heart and not have your heart beat for a week, but really, between the heart and the digestive system, everything works 24-7 until we, we die. From the moment we were born we never actually take breaks and we all know how important it is to take breaks well there are some organs that can take breaks and others that cannot but for the digestive system and everything that's related to it having that time of quietness of not adding of just letting go of releasing toxins of Having the quietness of not thinking about food, even though you do, and and yes, you are hungry, but it's not about not eating, it's about quieting down and then the goal changes. So for me, hunger in that time is a reminder that I'm doing it. It's a confirmation that I'm on the right path for those days that I committed to so it's great it's to know that i'm hungry makes me proud because i'm bigger than my hunger and that's maybe different for for females and males maybe maybe body type maybe type specific anyway but what is my relationship to hunger to that desire as a man to grab and and consume be it a car be it a new woman be it You know, any food I want, be it alcohol, whatever our relationship is to life, when you fast, you establish the independence over your hunger for me. And it's beautiful. I just love it. Besides the, the weight loss, the cleansing... The energy you get from it eating now is, I mean, I had an an apple yesterday, a honey crisp, a perfect honey crisp apple, perfectly in season. And I can only tell you it's mind-blowing. It makes me teary-eyed to eat now because my appreciation for food and flavor and taste and the the sweetness and the simplicity, everything we talk about on this show of an apple is so present to me because when you don't eat for six days, whatever you put in your mouth is just amplified 10,000 times.
2: Yeah. I was uh, following you every step of the way. Sometimes we just have to take time and evaluate our relationship to everything. That includes
0: the food. Yeah. And Sita, you called it the power, right? The power of food. If we really look what food does in our society, it's a nourishment, it's a drug, it's pleasure. It can be a disease or the way we consume it can, can cause a disease. It can be as healthy and as unhealthy as it is. And Really, that recalibration to anything in life, Mark. I think you really hit it there. Whatever you do to take breaks and to reflect, I think is worthwhile and so important. And in this case, since food is our world and my world, not eating is now actually having done it was really it, it's it's an incredible reminder that only that will define my pleasure in the work we do by not doing it, by not eating, by not engaging with food whatsoever, or by engaging in a very active way, which is I'm rejecting it for six days. But I'm really happy to be back. <laughs>
1: I'm sure you are. And eating. quite the season to come back, to. We'll be.
0: Because we will learn today what is in season. Our topic in this hour is the final taste of summer. We are walking the produce dock and the fields with a wonderful guest, Earl Herrick of Earl's Organic Produce, in this hour of what's in season, that and more when we come back right after the break, stay tuned.
1: Fry Vineyards Mendocino County award winning wines without added sulfites. Available at grocery stores and online at frywine.com. That's F R E Y W I N E.com.
0: And we are back here to an organic conversation. I'm Helge Helber. I'm Mark Mulcahy.
1: And I'm Sitarani Palomar.
0: What's in season? The final taste of summer is our focus in this hour with a very special guest, our partner, walking the produce dock and the field. Earl Herrick of Earl's Organic Produce. We have one episode every two, three months where the entire hour is about what's in season, usually just a segment. But this is one of those transition times, Mark. And
2: it's been been a few months. We did it at the beginning of the summer. And now is the absolutely appropriate time to be jumping back into the market and seeing what's going on because there's a lot of shift going on, right?
0: Shift is happening. And so this is one gigantic segment of what's in season. The final taste of summer. Our focus with us is Earl Herrick. Earl, welcome to the show. Mm. <laughs> it's great to be here.
3: It's great to be here and to uh, to be part of this particular story this week. is It, it really is impactful for me. Uh, back in the day, I did my share of fasting, and and one of the conclusions that I drew from that for myself was I was disciplining my appetite.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, oh nice. yes. Mm-hmm. You That's know, so nice. interesting.
3: Because you know, we have these. Um, we all have obsessions of some sort. Sure. And here we are, here we are a bunch of food people. And I could say that I'm definitely on that threshold on occasions. And so to be able to take that time of of relaxation, of separation, it, uh, for me, it's about my appetite comes up. I mean, the first day, are you kidding me? I'll eat, I'll eat a plastic bottle. (laughs) And, and, And so every day, you're just disciplining it until you reach, for me, it was a very clear sort of uncomplicated space to finally get to Mm -hmm. and um, some of the longer fast it was almost like i don't even want to eat again but that's but that's the other side of it you want you want to then kind of get obsessive with not eating Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so it's interesting to try to find that not even to try but to achieve that that balance so great time to be here thank you
1: (laughs) (laughs) well it is about finding the balance between two extremes and that's actually what's happening for us on on the market right now I can only imagine the balance between the two extremes of summer produce and fall produce and what's happening in between so Earl tell us what's happening at the market right now
3: it's uh, it's the change is so apparent for me one of the most obvious ones is that it's darker later. I mean, you're walking around, and if you're on the market, it the sun ch- starts shooting up at four fifteen, four thirty, and you go, "Wow, I'm shopping in the in the day." So this is a time of year where you you enjoy the darkness a little longer. So you're you're there shopping until five thirty six, and it's still dark, and there's a sort of normal normalcy that that is that is reachieved. So that's that's the biggest thing. But and as you walk the market, the whole atmosphere is different this the, the change between that summer fall is so apparent. you're you're walking a couple months ago down and there's pallets I'm talking about seven high big pallets of, of stone fruit everywhere. I mean every stone fruit you can think of fragrant and, and beautiful bouquets everywhere. And that's really about this soft fruit. So we're actually changing from that sto- soft fruit to the
2: Hard fruit, and even some of the soft fruit is now really hard fruit. It's not. It's not the same product, even though you're seeing it in the store.
3: Well, right? that's real, and, and well, for example, on, on late late peaches, you don't want to eat those soft. Eat them firm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, even the soft fruit is getting hard. Mm-hmm. So it's mm-hmm. really apple pear season, mm. and and then you get into pomegranates and persimmon. So it's all a little harder. Mm. So that change is very very apparent. It's no longer this bouquet. It's it's more of a a hardy. You want to get your hands. You want to open that box and crack off some apple.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm. Well, what about like figs and some of those summer things that are still around? You know, are you still are we still seeing them at the market? Are they still around? Or you know, I've known figs to to last till December. You know, now like black missions at least, right? It's
3: true. Uh, That's one of the glories out here in 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 California, where you can have that extended summer. And and, um, before the rains come, you're still going to have that last couple, what could be a month, of figs, of melons, uh, and stone fruit, Mm -hmm. and also, of course, tomatoes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Can I
0: ask from a nature perspective or ecology angle, why does food get harder? Why does even stone fruit, which is really soft and even sometimes runny and mushy and you want it that way, Hardens up in September or October.
2: It doesn't harden up, so it, it may sound like that's what we're saying. It doesn't harden up. What what Earl is saying, and which he'll elaborate on, is that you want to eat it firmer. It's not that the fruit is any firmer than it was in July. It's just that you want to eat it firmer because of a lack of moisture in the fruit.
3: Yeah, they and they've been on the tree tree longer, and and I think also you get cooler nights. You have less uh, warm days. The days are shorter, so they 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 will put on like a. A coat, if you will, and, and so
0: if, if they turn really soft, they're just not as good. Yeah, the no, yeah, sugar
3: is not. We would refer to it as mealy. And oh, you ah. bite into. Yeah, it's grainy. Gotcha. It's just overripe. So uh with late late season stone fruit, you want to just the very beginning of. It's not even a softness. Just a uh, little bit of giff. Yeah, slice it in half, slice it in a quarter, taste it, and it's going to be crunchy, but it's got that flavor.
2: That's like an, where it's going to have its sugar. Otherwise, it's yeah. just going to go downhill. Like really an avocado, quickly.
0: that you yes, you can dent it a little bit, but basically not. You would wait three more days. Then you want you already want to eat stone fruit that way. Yeah, absolutely. Right now, oh, interesting. What what else is still there, or what else is? Like,
3: well, there's still mel- there's still some late melons, stone fruit. Uh, the change is really this is the only time you're going to find persimmons and pomegranates right now this mm-hmm. month cranberries are going to be coming on of course and we're just on the threshold of citrus come november you're going to start sealing some early navels which no of course you not eat those yet and if and if we're we're lucky we'll start getting some early satsumas that that forecast has not really come out yet Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and warmer weather like peppers that's all done of course no you can get some peppers you get that late variety peppers and and you'll see more colorful peppers the red peppers are really going to come on cuz that's that's actually a green pepper that ripens into color and right. i actually
2: think in in a lot of cases that this is pepper time i mean all during you start getting all the colors during the summer and they're really good but these have been around and the and you see all the colors and i i love the sweetness now they don't hold up as long mhm Yep. They're, they're a little bit more fragile, but the, but the flavor in them right now, just yeah. right now in another couple of weeks they'll be done. you know
3: You know this time of year that is what that is very true. The season is not going to be as long. you you don't want to get something and hang on to it for a week.
2: So you know <laughs> Earl, this is this is really a bittersweet time for me this because summer's leaving and we're both soft we're both peach aficionados and, uh, yes and yet and tomatoes, right? I mean, this is when everybody waits or should wait (laughs) for tomatoes. You know, heirlooms are in the market, and you see them all summer long, and I actually think these last couple months is when really when they're actually good, um, even though they're around in July and even though they're around in June. Mm-hmm. What's going on with the heirloom market? And yeah. is it going to stay strong? Is it ending? What's going on? Well, you know, that's been a
3: market that has really uh, been wonderful to witness and to see mature uh, from a very 20, 30 years ago, avant garder gardeners getting in there. Uh, and then quickly, at least in the San Francisco area, the restaurants picked up on it. And then it was, it was like a forest fire. People wanted to know, what was that that I ate last night? Uh, There were lots of articles. So now, at least in San Francisco, you're going to see an article every July or August, a big full spread of uh, heirloom tomato, a big conversation about it.
2: But it's October now. And so what's, you know, (laughs) no, no, I'm serious. I'm serious. This is, it's important that what you said, because that is where it all came from. And that's how it got started. And they're all over the country, everywhere you go. But right now, it's like kind of like, I would say it's the last ditch effort to really get a good flavored heirloom absolutely mark
3: yeah that's very true um many many regions have stopped producing mm-hmm. uh the the fringe areas in other words in the dead of summer you're going to have uh, produ- uh you're going to have uh heirlooms coming out of boston mm-hmm. and all the local markets mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. you're down to the the, uh, the more mediterranean environments whether it's on the east coast or the west coast and they're coming out so what a farmer does he's going to plant his uh, crops and he's going to stage them and 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 he's going to probably if he's a, if he's a, got enough land he's going to plant four or five Plantings of heirlooms, and when you get down to October and into November, you're working on your last planting. So anything can happen. So this time of year, they put them in hoop houses, mm-hmm. which protects them from that chilly nights that can happen at any time, and gives them a little more more uh, heat, more heat, a little mm-hmm. more environment to do that. Right. And there's less growers doing it, but the heirlooms that are there are really beautiful color because you get a little bit of that coolness that hits it with the color, mm-hmm. and still has a lot of flavor. I would say this is your best last shot right now, right now,
2: right now. <laughs> if you're going to buy them, buy them. They're worth that five ninety nine because yep. they're still going to be five ninety nine or six ninety nine in a week or two.
3: Yeah, and and then in a couple of weeks after that, as the local deal ends, they're going to start coming out of hot houses out of Mexico, and that is going to be a shadow of what you can have now.
2: Yeah, they're still they're still yellow they're still purple they're still red <laughs> yeah what well, kind of yeah kind uh, of but they but they aren't the same thing and that's that's the reason we're, we're talking about it right now
3: yeah and and one of the things is it doesn't always get uh, advertised as such I mean the 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 stores lose track of, of the the origin and uh, restaurants still want to still want to have uh, that on the recipe on the menu so you can lose track so
2: Again, Until you put it in your mouth.
3: That's right. That's right. So watch out for your tendency in November to want that heirloom salad. It may be, it may be over by then. Mm-hmm. But check it out.
0: What's in season, the final taste of summer, our focus in this hour. You're listening to An Organic Conversation. I'm Helge Helberg. I'm Mark Mulcahy. And
1: I'm Sitarani Paltmar.
0: We are accompanied, as you know, by the voice, by our wonderful, usually call-in guest, but once in a while graced with his presence here in the studio. Guest today, Earl Herrick of Earl's Organic Produce, one of the premier wholesale distributors of solely organic fruits and vegetables in the nation. We're looking at what is at the market and in the store right now, and how to pick it, how to choose this, and, and soon, what to do with it, coming up, that and more here in an organic conversation in just a minute. Stay tuned.
1: Produce is ever-changing, seasons coming and going. At Earls Organic, we have been sourcing solely organic produce for over 20 years. Since 1988, Earls Organic Produce has been establishing strong relationships with growers and developing a deep understanding of the seasons so you can offer the most delicious organic produce to your customers, staff, and clients year-round. For organic produce, visit Earl's Organic Produce at earlsorganic.com. That's earlsorganic.com. Spicely Organics offers more than 200 different organic spices and dried herbs to choose from. Classics like oregano and cumin, exotics like aji amarillo, and blends like tikka masala. Spicely helps nourish your body while embracing sustainable, eco-friendly, and ethical practices always. Take wellness into your own hands and creativity into your own kitchen. Spicely Organics. Teas, spices, and dried herbs at your natural food store and online at spicely.com.
0: And we are back here to an organic conversation. I'm Helge Helberg. I'm Mark Mulcahy.
1: And I'm Sitarani Palomar.
0: With us in the studio, he is Earl Herrick of Earl's Organic Produce, one of the premier wholesale distributors of organic produce in the country. In this hour of What's in Season, we're looking at the final taste of summer. Uh, right before the break, we learned that if you do eat summer stone fruit, you want to eat it more firm right now because once it ripens, the likelihood of getting mealy will ruin your purchase. So everything is firming up. We're firming up for the winter. We just talked about heirloom tomatoes. Let's stay with that a little bit, Earl.
1: Well, yeah, Mark and Earl, you guys were talking about that after we get past this last bit of the domestic heirloom crop, which is just fantastic in flavor, we're going to start seeing the heirlooms coming from Mexico, which may not, probably will not have the kind of flavor that we're looking for. But does that mean that you can't get a good flavor tomato right now? I mean, what do we want to be looking for for tomato dishes when we get out of this heirloom season?
3: Great question. I mean, you know, we're in the business, so we understand those kinds of things. Uh, For the normal consumer, the tomatoes are here. I'm going to buy them. Aren't they always the same? What I like to focus on is aroma. And also, uh, there's a nice little cherry tomato called a, a cherry plum tomato. I find those year in, year out to have the most flavor. And also, any... I think the smaller tomatoes will give you a better chance. Uh, the Roma, I'll let Mark wax on that one. The little cherries, you can still get some local, I would think, if you're lucky. You got to look around and ask. That's why again, create that relationship with your with your produce
2: person. Well, and Romas are going to give you that. They're still going to have texture as heirlooms start to fade because heirlooms will get mushy too. It's not only their flavor mm-hmm. that fades; it's their texture that will fade. And Roma's will keep that texture. Their skin will become a little tougher over the next couple weeks as the cooler nights kick in. But their flavor from any of the heat that they got will intensify. So you'll have an intense, firm tomato that you can eat on a sandwich, you can grill, you can still make plenty of sauce out of, but it's just like I would say that last two weeks of October, maybe into the beginning of November after that, you're probably the plants are gonna start getting too tired. But that's probably the next tomato that I mean, that's what I would focus on.
3: yeah, the the density that aroma has, and there's then there's several different kinds. there's longer ones, or shorter ones are blocky. Uh, there you know tr- again, look for something that you're gonna really enjoy the the density is what I look for because mm-hmm. it holds up mm-hmm. and of course it's the sauce tomato mm-hmm. and I agree with you that's the one that I'm going to
0: slice on a grilled cheese sandwich mm-hmm. no doubt about it mm. perfect segue Earl. when I when I hear this having come off my my water fast just now and the flavor and quality is really present to me if you know the, this Honey Crisp apple that I started with really was mind blowing it was unbelievably delicious and And of course, being fully present to chewing and what now I'm sure this will all drop a little over the next weeks. But I enjoy the presence to my food right now, which is so amped. Hearing this, I believe in eating local and in season. And really, if we are honest, the growing season of almost any region is maybe roughly May to November. There might be some areas where you can do 12 months a year or you have winter vegetables and, of course, you can store them. But that's kind of my point. Tomatoes don't store well. So what I'm hearing is this is also the last couple weeks or maybe last month to make tomato sauce. You do want to preserve that amazing flavor from peak ripeness from the summer, not just buy the tomato in January when it comes from whoever and it almost really tastes like nothing. Mm -hmm. What I'm hearing my body is saying is, wow now i get why people can and and and, and, yeah. and you know make jars and make tomato sauce of course we always say it's to preserve kind of the best but the importance of the difference between making tomato sauce and maybe freezing it now to january is it, it's almost a different book right it's you can't even compare it it's so extreme you couldn't make the same tomato sauce with whatever tomato might be in the marketplace yes. in january in just 2 months out or 3 months out that you could still make right now is that true?
3: That's very true, uh, and also this is a time where there's going to be excess in your where, wherever you're shopping, whether it's a farmers market or a retail store, where what we call number twos. So tomatoes are soft anyway. So it, during the day, you, you have a display of tomatoes, and you're stocking and restocking, and people are feeling them, and they're squishing them, and they're pinching them, and and so. A good a good produce person is going to go through and cull off those soft ones, put it over in another box. And if they're really sharp, they're going to create a number two, and so create again create that relationship with your with your produce person. You got any number twos today? Mm-hmm. And if you and if you're a regular customer, they'll start saving those, and those you'll get at. A fraction of the price and those would be perfect for making some sauce. Mm. Yes, that's what you want to do.
1: That's a little foreshadow. We'll be talking about making (laughs) sauces a little bit later in the Holistic Bite. And that brings up a question, another question I have for the two of you, Earl and Mark, which is about tomatoes. Now I know kind of the golden rule about storing tomatoes is don't put them in the refrigerator. Is that rule true year round? No tomato ever goes in the refrigerator or does it change when you get to January and and you're going with a different variety? Of tomato.
3: No tomato that's a friend of mine is
2: going in the refrigerator.
1: I love it. Well, it's 41
2: <laughs> degrees is the cutoff temperature for tomatoes. That's that's really your average refrigerator runs around at a high of about 36 or 38, and that's in, that's in the front of the refrigerator. In the back, it's even cooler; can get down to 34. Or and and so by putting them in the refrigerator, a tomato will change its texture. Now, what you're talking about is you're trying to oh, I need to just I don't want these to go to waste what you're doing is you're going to say that I'm going to be willing to compromise the texture and the flavor of this tomato. And so I would recommend that you either just use it or create a sauce from it that you're going to eat in a few days. And those are all things that you're going to be touching on, Sita. But yes, you're actually making a conscious decision to change that experience for yourself and so if you don't mind mealy and unflavorful tomatoes go ahead and put them in the fridge what what we do what we do at the market many times
3: since our growers don't refrigerate tomatoes at all they're going to come in they could be 80 90 degrees in the box so we put them in our middle temperature walk-in about 45 and we and we and we air stack them, meaning there's space in between, and we and we let we keep them in there for a couple of hours to get that heat out. If we don't get that heat out, they're going to turn to mush. They'll just continue to cook. But so for us, we like to keep them at about 50 to 55 degrees. So we get them out of there and then put. And them. they're
2: still fine. That's a good temperature for them. It but really, it's still taking out that heat. So yeah, they're going to last longer.
3: Yeah, you got to take them out of the heat because they'll just cook. Uh, They're just their metabolism. They're just their adrenaline. They're going, so I do. I do want to share a little trick that I did, uh, actually, with nectarines, but it'll it'll work for any kind of summer type produce that that does not want to uh, have a cold temperature. So what I did was I had a little crisper. I put a cloth on the bottom and then i put the one layer of the product in this case it was a nectarines and then i put a another cloth on it and i, and I closed the crisper right there i insulated it a bit so it's not going to get as as cold as it would have and and they kept for probably another week and your crisper is not
2: as cold yep and the other thing about that is if you do have them and you bring them home. Store them on their shoulder where the calyx is, right? Not on their bottom because that's where they ripen from. So that's going to get soft first. So, so stem if, down. Yes, yeah, so stem down on, and I call it on their shoulder. And so if, if you put it on the other way, then it's going to get soft first. And then that's where it's either going to mold or it's going to get really soft. And then it's, so that's just one way. And you just really need to buy your heirlooms right now only a few at a time or, or make sauce, which you're going to mm-hmm. talk about. But you really just, you, you can't, you, I recommend that you don't get so overzealous that you want to eat, bring home a 1,000 of them because you can't eat them fast enough for as fast as they're going to ripen in a room temperature
0: house. It, it sounds like every fruit that hangs you want to store because, Earl, you just, Mark, you talked about tomatoes. Earl, you just talked about uh, before about stone fruit. Always, it right, because it hangs on the tree, that's what I learned from you guys, the sugar collects at the bottom and you want to store it upside down, so to say, calyx down mm-hmm. upside down because the sugar will ferment or ripen first and it will it will ruin the fruit much quicker than when you keep the sugar up
2: it'll soften yes. it or mold it quicker yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah
0: mm-hmm. and so that's as, as a general rule at home if you ever wondered how you want to store anything even even apples does it matter i you know i don't know about apples are a firm I put them on their side.
2: But, well, you know, actually, yeah, with, uh, we had we, when we talked to Fran McManus uh, a while back, <laughs> she side. was talking about how the apple has different flavors at different parts of the apple. It's, you know, more apple down at the bottom, more sugar down at the bottom of the apple. So what you're saying actually could be true about apples. I've never known that about storing them. But that could be true there too.
0: It might also take longer with a heart of fruit for the sugar to, sure. you know, rise up and ruin the produce. But in general, I think it's fair to say always upside down. You oh, want to store yeah, produce always on the shoulder. Down.
2: Yeah.
1: Well, and and Helga, you bring up a good point too because when we did talk to Earl about where the sugar is collect at the bottom of a fruit that hangs, we were talking about peaches and nectarines. Earl, you said that's also the place to smell for aroma. Isn't that correct? Yeah. Is that true on tomatoes as well?
3: Absolutely. Now, what a lot of people do. They will they will smell the stem side and get a great hit. And what you're really smelling is the calyx there. Mm. And, yeah, it's a wonderful flavor, but that's what you're smelling. So flip it on the other side, the blossom side. And I don't have a particularly good nose, so it's hard for me to tell. But that is where you're gonna get your most intense experience. Same with melons. So what people
1: yep. think mm-hmm. of as the bottom part of the fruit, yep. that's the place you wanna that's test you wanna for scent, to see yeah. if it's ripe, to see if it's gonna have really good flavor, mm-hmm. is um, is that bottom piece there. Tomatoes, stone fruit, yeah. melons, melons, Mark. Mm-hmm. Yep.
0: Sugar is flavor, yes. Earl, freezer, fridge, or countertop. Yeah, is there a general rule right now because fruit ripens quicker, or they have mm-hmm. seen frost nights already? What is their rule of thumb? You said stone fruit could yeah. be in your crisper upside down. Yep, but what is tomatoes? You don't. Yeah. Well, it
3: depends how many you're buying. I, I take home cases at a time, so, <laughs> you know, so I eat as many as I can on my way home, give give them away as I travel. And then I have more than I can eat in a day or two, so I will I'll leave some out of my counter on my table, you know, with, with linen and separate and then choose uh, the firmer ones and well, not necessarily. Then I take a portion to put them in in my in that, and that's for me. It's an exper- It's an experiment. You know, nothing's for sure. I'm going to open that up and take one out the next day. Is, is it affected? Is this still what I want it to be? Mm. Maybe wait another couple of days, and oh no, that was too long. So it's something you got to because refrigerators are different, and also the less you put into the uh, the the more you put in the crisper, the, it's going to work better. It's going to work more efficiently. And
1: Mark, this is something I've heard you talk about: is you, when you were a young puppy in produce, how you used to keep, you know, pears at your desk, and just see how the color changed day after day, and taste the flavor. And this is how you get really specific about when is the right time to yeah. eat a piece of fruit or or vegetable.
2: And it's different in August and September and October and November. So that yeah. that question is an excellent question, Helga. It's just that it's not generic. Mm-hmm. It gotcha. really is. As Earl always says, this is a really special time. Each week is is a different time as far as what you should do with your produce and the item that you're buying. Yeah, I, I, I look for easy to follow,
0: like upside down. That's just a great rule, right? <laughs> Whatever you buy produce-wise, upside down is always smarter. Uh, If there was something that was true for bell peppers and nectarines and whatever you get right now to say, you know, it's October, they might break down quicker, keep them cool, keep them in the crisper or on the countertop and then watch them really closely because they won't last a week. Things break down quicker, like those yep. standard, you know, overarching principles for October, so that people don't get disappointed when they buy peppers that last 10 days in summer and that last two days on your counter.
3: And I think it's good to know y- your own habits. Uh, if you, if, for us, you know, we're looking at produce every day. I'm looking at what I have at my house every day, and uh, other people, they're going to put it somewhere and forget about it, and then come back, it's going to be rotten. So understand your habits and you know, play accordingly
2: and do the produce dance. I mean, creates, create the produce dance at your house. We have it at my house. Is that everybody piles it in a bowl and then I come along and take it out of the bowl and I stage it all around the counter according to what what I think is ripening or not ripening. And go. then I come back a few hours later and it's all piled in the bowl. Oh my gosh. And then I come back and I and I put it all around and it's just this little dance because yeah. there's one person in the house who wants to organize it right and I'm looking at it going. That's going to be too ripe tomorrow. I need to pull that out. Or this needs to go to the fridge. Or I'm going to put this over by the counter where everybody's going to see it. Or that type of thing. And even though, you know, for 20 years we've been having this dance. And it's it's, it's funny. It's, it, you just have to get to that routine that works for your house. The produce dance. The, pro- <laughs>
3: the produce dance. How about, how, who would have thought? You know, th- what what happens in my house is uh, my, my daughters will come by and I'll have a bowl on occasion. And they'll, and I'll say, you know, they're not quite ready. They go, oh, well, let me try, Dad. And they like it. So everybody's got their different thing going on and I would say, well, I, I, I want to wait another day, but oh, yeah, this is perfect, Dad. That's right. why Helga and
2: I aren't roommates because uh, Helga and I would, I'd go, Helga, they're not ready. And he'd go, this is perfect.
1: If I you got. ever have seen Helga and Mark eat pears together, <laughs> it's like they're eating two Ch- different
2: Cheramoyas,
0: pears, all kinds of things. It's absolutely true. <laughs> yeah. Mark yeah. likes Cheramoyas when they're like fermented and rotten. I, I don't get it, but that's not how okay. we eat uh, There are many reasons why we are not roommates, Mark. But um, <laughs> this is an organic conversation. I'm Helga Helberg. I'm not his roommate.
1: (laughs) And I'm I'm C.T. Ronny Palomar.
0: And with us is Earl Herrick of (laughs) Earl's Organic Produce, the godfather of organic produce, really, joining us with his expertise in this hour of what's in season. Our focus, the final taste of summer. We'll be back with so much more in just a second. Stay tuned.
1: Spicely Organics' emphasis has long been on the natural health benefits of organic spices, and now Spicely is excited to share more health benefits with the introduction of their hand-blended organic teas. Choose from black, green, white, mate, oolong, pu'er, and herbals blended with their signature spices like vanilla rooibos, sweet turmeric, and honey lavender. Spicely Organics, teas, spices, and dried herbs at your natural food store and online at spicely.com.
3: Are you a chef, have a catering business, or planning a party, or simply just love organic produce? If you're in the San Francisco Bay Area, walk right in to Earl's Organic Produce. Anyone can buy directly from us at wholesale prices. You don't have to be a natural food store to enjoy the freshest and most delicious organic produce. We are located on the San Francisco Produce Market at 2101 Gerald Avenue. We look forward to seeing you.
2: Walk-in hours are Monday through Friday throughout the night from 10 p.m. to 10 a.m. Minimum purchase is one box or flat, cash or checks only. For more information, visit EarlsOrganic.com.
0: And we're back here to an organic conversation. I'm Helge Helberg. I'm Mark Mulcahy. And
1: I'm Sitarani Palomar. And
0: that was the music for the produce dance at Mark's house. (laughs) (laughs) In this hour, we are focusing on what's in season. This is the big transition time between summer produce and fall or even early winter fruits and vegetables that are hitting the marketplace right now or soon. What's in season? The final taste of summer in this hour with our... Partner and friend and expert Earl Herrick of Earl's Organic Produce, the godfather of organic produce. Earl, it seems like, and I'm of course biased having broken my my water fast with uh, a Honeycrisp apple, which was outstanding. It seems like it's an extraordinary year for apples, and maybe that's my totally small subjective world. You're in a special place, Helga. <laughs> I am. It seems like that a lot yeah, many times in my life, whatever that means. But is it a good apple year? Talk about the apple season a little bit this year. Yeah, it, it is
3: a good season and it's uh it's still unfolding. It's at the uh, middle of October. Uh, the focus being out here in California is the California crop, which is pales in comparison of with when you get up to the northwest thing Washington State which produces the vast vast majority of the apples eaten all around the world but for for us as a wholesaler and local distributor we focus on the California apple probably all the way through November into December and what that means is we get to go to these orchards uh, we see how they're picked, how they're handled, how they go through the process of getting into the box, which is washed and, and sorted. It's really a great experience. And, you're, and, of course, you're out there eating apples as, as, as the harvest is going on. For me, the, the California apple I love the best is is the Fuji apple. And, you know, Fujis are, are also grown in the Northwest. But for me, the Fuji apple out of California has more sugar, has
2: more depth and complexity. And the thing about what Earl's talking about, it's not the prettiest. It's not the prettiest apple. It's not the prettiest Fuji. There are m- more beautiful apples to the eye you're, that you will see. And you look at a California Fuji and you go, hmm. Yes. But if you taste it and i'm i'm right there i say this all over the country the best the best food i have ever had is from california and and I know Washington people argue with me all the time, but, <laughs> but it, is, it is by far. You just like to pick arguments, Mark. Uh, Sita. <laughs>
1: well, I think that you bring up a good point. We've gotten to a place where we expect really, really cosmetically gorgeous fruit and vegetables. And that, in some cases, we're choosing that cosmetic appearance over the flavor. And so you're talking about this California Fuji as not being that beautiful compared to other Fuji apples, but the flavor is almost unpredictable paralleled. So that's something to consider is that, you know, a beautiful fruit doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be a beautiful flavor.
0: Yeah, that's so true. Coming from Germany, I remember there was an old apple tree and I'm I'm almost certain now it was only planted to pollinate others. What is it called? A crab? Oh a crab apple. Exactly. It wasn't quite a crab apple, but it was tiny. It was it was yeah. as big as a walnut. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So delicious. Mm-hmm. So delicious. Yeah. Perfect shape, flavor, amazing. But you wouldn't never find that in the marketplace. Nobody would buy it. You need like a dozen to <laughs> to really, you know, have yeah. the equivalent of a full big Fuji apple experience. But wow, what a delicious little little nuggle there and well, well you just
1: <laughs> helga with his made-up word yeah and nuggles just,
2: <laughs> helga just so that you know is a lot of those crab apples were actually planted on purpose and they were planted for cider and so i don't know if they drink cider in germany but around the country a lot of the early apples that johnny appleseed it's not a myth he was planting a- crab apple type yep. apples because that's what people drank. They drank They drank cider. Cider and hard cider was what they drank every single day. And that's what those apple trees were.
3: Growing up in Ohio, uh, southeastern part of Ohio, down by West Virginia and Kentucky, all there were just cider stands all over the place. And in the fall, sugar, donuts, and hot mm. apple cider. Uh, yes, you, that was the yeah, time. You are
1: speaking <laughs> my language because you know I grew up in Michigan. And yeah. it's the same thing every fall. Every fall, sugar donuts and hot apples. (laughs) 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 And that basically
0: wraps it up. Earl, stay with us. With us is and has been Earl Herrick of Earl's Organic Produce, one of the premier wholesale distributors of all organic fruits and vegetables in the nation. In this hour of an organic conversation, what's in season? The final taste of summer. Stay with us. We'll take a quick look at the world of health and beauty and then a mini forecast of what people can expect to be finding in the produce aisle maybe in the next few weeks coming up as we are slowly heading or actually quickly heading towards the Halloween world. Uh, But here is now an in-depth look at the world of health and beauty, inner beauty and outer beauty, our very own Sitarani Palomar and her holistic
1: bite. Well, an in depth look today, specifically at Heirloom Tomatoes. I much like my fellow gentlemen in the studio are positively obsessed with good heirlooms when they're here. In fact, I find since I've started working with all of you that I wait until what is probably an unreasonably late time in the season to even buy a tomato because the flavor just almost is not worth it to me beforehand. But when it's here, I simply cannot get enough of it. I can't even, I can fully satisfy my desire for tomatoes and still want to do more with tomatoes because they are that outstanding and this is when I start getting creative in the kitchen. And so we've talked a lot about making sauce with your heirloom tomatoes. I have a really basic recipe that I think allows for a lot of versatility so that you can make a lot of this and store it in your freezer and then pull it out and use it for all different kinds of tomato recipes. And this is a really basic tomato sauce that I also use as a base for my soup. Sometimes I just drink it exactly like a soup and this is how you make it. Start with a few tablespoons, maybe you even want to go with a quarter cup if you are fine with it, of olive oil and heat that until it's warm. Then you add one to two cloves of garlic to this warm olive oil until it gets golden brown and then remove the garlic because once it has that That golden color, it's infused your olive oil with garlic flavor, and then you can get rid of it and not have any of that bitterness that you might get from an overcooked piece of garlic. Sauté one to two onions and then you add two pounds of tomatoes once the onions are soft. I don't even take the peel off of my tomatoes because I have a high speed blender that just emulsifies everything perfectly. If you don't have a high speed blender then you can remove the peel from your tomato but you add the tomatoes and you cook it down until the whole thing comes together, it takes about 20 minutes not much more and then puree it and that is it. That is the basis, we're talking about heating some garlic in olive oil, sauteing some onions, adding your tomatoes, pureeing and you're done. Put it into glass jars, you can use mason jars to freeze, but make sure that you don't get the kind that curve back in on itself because that will shatter in your freezer. You want to go with a wide lip mason jar, leave some head space so that when it expands it doesn't explode, this glass, and store it in the freezer. And when you're ready to have tomato soup, you can pull this out, you can add roasted onions, you can add carrot, you can add basil, whatever you want. Want to make a good tomato soup, you've got a base for it. If you want to make t- enchilada sauce, you can pull this out and add roasted chilies. This is a really basic way to make use of all of these gorgeous heirlooms and have a lot of different ways to enjoy it well into the season. And that's this week's Holistic Bite.
0: Thank you, Sita. That sounds so simple. Is that also the basis of the Tomato soup you made uh, a few weeks back. We talked about that, where you added some saffron to it. Is that basically the same principle?
1: Similar. So for the the, when we had all of the natural food retailers come to California for the Passion Purpose and Produce seminar, we did because it was heirloom season a roasted heirloom tomato soup with saffron. So I used kind of the same basic recipe, but I roasted all of the vegetables first because it helps to really deepen the flavor. I call it this golden elixir that you get when you put olive oil and garlic and onion and tomato into the oven for an hour and it just turns this beautiful golden color and then you puree it and it's it's pretty much the same recipe and you get an outstanding flavor
0: and you could freeze that as well absolutely
1: but... that's what i like to do Ugh. this time of year make sauce so make good. soup with your tomatoes store it in the freezer because when you get a craving for grilled cheese and tomato soup in january or february mm. i tell you the tomato just, soup you make it, now is going to be better than the roma <laughs> soup that you make then but that's just my opinion <laughs> (laughs)
0: Well, that's Sitarani Palomar, and since we just talked about apples, that's her holistic bike. Yes.
1: real sound effects here in the studio. So before we wrap for this episode, it's been a wonderful walk down what's left in the market to get excited about how to enjoy the, the last flavors of summer. But Earl, what can we be looking forward to? I mean, I know that this time of year, I start to get really excited about the holidays and all the different beautiful meals that I'm gonna yeah. share with family and friends.
3: For me, when I, when I think of what we're heading into, everything gets what's funny it's a combination of things start to mellow from from the summer but they actually for me they get more intense the sunsets have a little more intensity to it the the leaves start turning uh, you now have with the cool nights getting into a, in a cold snap that's what brings the color out and these high-colored apples and pears you get from, you get the different shades of the green going going to brown going to gold so all the all the colors get a little more intense get a little more sharp so with, those, with that in mind, we're gonna start getting into more and more winter squash, of course, pumpkins. Uh, you start thinking definitely about Thanksgiving. So it's about uh, all, all the things that you put in the turkey. But on the fruit side, you, you wanna think about uh, satsumas starting in just a couple weeks, and then the apples and pears. And, and you wanna stay ahead. That's one thing to think about. You wanna stay ahead of pears because they will take about a week to ripen. So if you're hungry for them right now, think, like an avocado, think ahead a little bit and grab those.
1: Is that true for Asian pears as well as Bartletts and whatever other varieties you see? Thank
3: you. No, Asian pear they're ready to eat. And and that, and, that, and some people will call those an apple pear where they're they're crisp and and they have this wonderful uh, subtle almost bouquet to them. Uh, and there's lots of good Asian pears. We got to do a segment on Asian pears. We do.
2: And you know what another thing that we're coming into which uh, is r- a really familiar for me and I really love is it's becoming nut season. Right, this is the nut harvest. Oh
0: yeah, you mention that every year. Amazing.
2: Almonds, walnuts, you know, pecans. I mean, we, we you know, you say, see, do you mention recipes and go go out and buy some pecans and put it in your salad, or go out and get some walnuts because they're good for brain health and different things like that. Now, it, and I could just be just <laughs> that weird, freaky guy who you know has a different taste, which you're all nodding your head. But nuts taste better now. And Earl yeah. Earl talks fondly about cracking nuts, you know, growing up and cracking nuts, and there's a yeah. different flavor to when you just crack a nut and open that shell and take the meat out. There's a different flavor. Helga, you remember growing up in Germany and having Yeah, and having filberts nuts or
0: hazelnuts or mm-hmm. that whole world of freshly
2: harvested hazelnuts are yeah.
0: unbelievable. They're <laughs>
1: sweeter, I think. Well, it's, so, it's, they're so fresh. fresh. They're, not, yeah. not they're rancid. fresh.
0: There's no yeah. so we don't look
2: at them as a fresh product, right? That's the thing. is it's We don't true. look at them as a fresh product. And yet now they're all being, the trees are being harvested. They're in the market. You can still find them some places in the shell. Yep. It's worth it. I would, like to, I would love to see bowls of nuts on everybody's table again. Because there is a whole different flavor component for these next couple months.
3: And great utensils. You know yeah, those little nut crackers oh, yeah. and the little meat to thing, the, yeah. the meat, the stainless silver, whatever they were. <laughs> well,
1: and part of what's so exciting about it for me is, Mark, you said have bowls of nuts on your table. It, it just I get this vision of what the cornucopia looks like on your table this time of year. You've got bowls of apples, you've got bowls of citrus, and you've got bowls of nuts. And then immediately I'm putting recipes together. This is where we got baked apples stuffed with walnuts and orange zest.
2: Exactly, exactly, or persimmons and, mm. and exactly. pomegranates with nuts. Yeah, and absolutely. how beautiful!
3: And how beautiful is that? I mean, the, a, a beautiful high-colored pomegranate and a persimmon,
0: those two, that bright red and that orange, just
2: boom. And the brown really pops then next to them further from the nuts. Yeah? That's very true. Mm-hmm.
0: And as an alternative, I mean, this is the time, you know, candy conscientiously or not consumed however you purchase or consume chocolate. Of course, chocolate has a place in most of our lives. And yet some really perfect pieces of produce still, some nuts, the, the flavor is so satisfying that you might not, miss chocolate this this time of year exactly yeah Mm. there's lots Mm. of good fats there's lots of sweetness still in the marketplace wonderful thank you earl what's Mm -hmm. in season the final taste of summer our focus in this hour a lively conversation of what to find in the store as we are walking the fields and the produce dock with our partner and friend earl herrick of earl's organic produce more information of course always on your website earl yes earlsorganic.com
1: And you might also consider following Earls Organic on Instagram. I know that your marketing manager, Susan Simmits, who's just an absolute food fanatic, she so loves these beautiful items that come into season. She's snapping photos all the time and she puts them up on Instagram and you can really see what's good right now. Yeah, how Mm -hmm. to pick
0: it, how to choose it, how to store it, perhaps uh, great photos, education, nutritional information and even recipes. On EarlsOrganic.com or Instagram, Earl's Organic or Facebook or Twitter. Yeah,
2: Earl's a tweet for,
0: tweeter from
3: well, way back. <laughs> Susan, Susan is. Oh, yeah. But <laughs> you know what you're going to find on some on, on many of those photos on the Instagram that that they're cut and that you really get to see the inside in some very beautiful ways and and it's uh, just another uh, perspective to enjoy sure. what we're eating. True. I
1: have to say, I always do look forward to when you do those comparisons, when she takes the photo of all the different kinds of sweet potatoes or all the different kinds of citrus so you can Mind see what they look like sometimes. on the inside. yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Purple yeah. potatoes
0: cut open, yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. And always, of course, for recipes and more information on this show and any other episode, you can go to inorganicconversation.com or facebook.com forward slash inorganic conversation. where, Sita, will you place your little recipe, how to make the perfect heirloom tomato sauce?
1: I just might.
0: You just might.
1: <laughs> and that was this week's edition of An Organic Conversation. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. <laughs> An Organic Conversation is a proud production of the Organic Media Network. Associate producer, Kristen Ponger.
0: If you missed parts of this show or for any other episode, go to iTunes or anorganicconversation.com. And for more information, health tips, recipes, and your daily dose of inspiration, please follow us on facebook.com forward slash an organic conversation. We are your hosts, Helga Helberg, Mark Mulcahy,
1: and Sita Ronnie Palomar.
0: And we'll be back right here, same place, same time, next week. See you then. Bye. Bye bye.